Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 85 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Today, we've got something a little bit different for you. We've got our first guest on the show, Mark Taylor from the Warrnambool Table Tennis Association, to talk about how to run a successful club. So a big welcome to both Alois and Mark. Good morning. Morning, Jeff. Howdy, Jeff. Morning, so, Mark. Yeah. How's it going? Well, it's early in the morning where I am, so <laughs> it it's is. going well. Mark, go on, no, 6.30 now, but, uh, you know, get up at 6, ready for the show, 6.30, out yeah. to everyone. Mark, Mark had a big night last night, went to uh, went to a World Cup cricket match. At the MCG, first time Bangladesh had played at the MCG, so Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, fantastic atmosphere, really, really terrific. So what was the crowd like, Mark? I mean, it was a fairly small crowd in terms of what we're used to here, but uh, probably around 20,000, but they were making enough noise for 60 or 70,000. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, tend to, uh, they tend to get a good atmosphere going, those matches, so ah, very interesting. And uh, Sri Lanka were the winners? Sri Lanka were the winners, a couple of century makers there, so uh, they piled on too many runs, but Bangladesh batted really well. Okay, very good. Yeah, so, yeah, as, uh, as we've talked about, lots of sport on in, um, in Australia, over the summer, the summer just finishing up, but uh, yeah, always, always something to do. I'm not sure where right. I go for the summer. <laughs> yes. So, so Mark, Mark is from Warrnambool. So Warrnambool's about um, two and a half to three hours from Melbourne, um, and Mark has been president of uh, the Warrnambool Table Tennis Club down there. Um, but also, interestingly, he works uh, for the Southwest. Sport, which is um, um, which is an organisation, and he is the club development officer down there, Mark. So um, interesting. We've been we've been having lots of discussions about um, what makes a, a club successful, and I think you know it's a really big question because there's so many different aspects to a club. Um, so from your experiences, Mark, you know what sort of things do you think? Um, and not only from table tennis clubs, so we can start to look at different clubs and just see. Um, uh, what is successful for them as well? Well, I think the first thing I should say is most of the clubs around here are run by volunteers. Yep. So the first thing is, have you got enough volunteers in your club? Yep. So attracting and retaining volunteers is very important. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when you go to a club, it's not just about playing that sport. For a lot of people it is. It's walking in the door and kicking yep. the footy or playing with the basketball or in our case, uh, having a bit of table tennis. Yep. But it's about policies and procedures that go beyond that so that it's fair for everyone that's there yep. and that they can provide feedback so the committee knows the direction they're heading in. So starting off with a bit of a plan yep. and then spreading the workload, I think, are good things that you can do at your club as well. Yeah, so the, the, the plan's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, often when we um, we think about um, starting up a club, we think about, well, let's, let's just get down there and let's uh, let's have a hit and um, and, you know, but the, the, the issues are always, where do these players come from? Um, and then um, it's got to be viable as well, isn't it? I mean, the, you can't run a club, um, be uh, making a loss all the time. Um, so it's, as you said, finding those volunteers is crucial um, and then making, it, making the club viable as well. well. The first club I was involved in was in uh, somewhere close to where you live, Alice, and one of the difficulties that we had is that we needed a certain number of players so that we could actually pay the rent every week. 
Yep. So, um, so in terms of dollars, what sort of rent were you talking for the year? Well, we were talking about twenty-five dollars an hour, uh, which was a hundred dollars a week. So, you know, we're up around uh, our playing time about eight thousand, nine thousand dollars in rent. Wow. Okay. Um, the club I'm at at the moment, it's a significantly different situation to that. So we don't have to worry so much about finances, mm -hmm. um, and therefore you can focus on things like where you recruit your members from. But if you're worrying about finances, yep. I think your focus tends to be in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, but every club's got a lot of actions on their plate, and it's about knowing what those actions are and prioritising them so that you're getting the main ones done first. And I guess some clubs uh, think what a good thing to, to do would be but they miss out on their priority action, so their club's pulling in the wrong direction. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what about uh, recruiting players? You know, what, what, what have you found has been successful, um, maybe at Warrnambool Table Tennis, but also um, at, other, at other clubs? Well, partnerships are the big thing in Australia now because uh, our national uh, sporting bodies are uh, into um, active after schools and uh, getting clubs involved with schools. So I think uh, for one it's uh, partnerships and it doesn't matter whether that's that might be an aged care home because everyone loves playing table tennis. It's a great game that you can play until, yep. uh, until you can't yep. volunteer anymore. So yeah. uh, partnerships with different organisations, showing people that uh, you've got in your club the ability to give them what it is that they want, whether it's a competition or whether it's social or whether it's beginners yeah. and a pathway. So if they want to go to play in the Olympics, yeah, your club can provide that first step. I, th I think yeah. that's a really... Um, that, that's really interesting, having that pathway. And how do you incorporate the volunteering aspect in that? Or, or do you try and turn players into volunteers or do you try and recruit volunteers separately? Well, I think in a lot of the clubs, Jeff, we are turning players into volunteers. And table tennis is an interesting beast because you can play until you're any age. Whereas some uh, organisations, footy clubs, you retire at 35 and then you stay around the club. So um, you've got to do both, I think. You've got to find people that want to volunteer and help you out in your club. Uh, and you've also uh, got to get your players to pitch in where they can. So it might be being on a match committee so that your, your volunteer load is spread yeah, and I think that, that that's a really crucial one, isn't it? You know, talking about um, table tennis playing till whatever age, it, you know, the the veterans or the um, the seniors um, table tennis has grown so much in the last twenty years, and that used to be it. Used to be where all our volunteers came from. It used to be, you know, you played till you're thirty or forty or whatever it is, and then you um, then you a lot of players would then uh, form committees. They wouldn't play that much. Um, but they would be around the club, they loved the sport, and that was their way of being around table tennis. Um, now, um, with the veterans movement, which is absolutely fantastic that players, that players are still playing um, 60, 70, 80, 90, um, but that is an issue that has developed, and I don't think we've really um, coped with that, that well. The other thing that I'm involved in down in the southwest is the Academy of Sport, and one of the things that we're writing into the contracts of the Academy athletes is that they put back into the community. Okay. So we're trying to get from an early age the, the idea that there's lots of people contributing to your development mm -hmm. and you need to put back into your clubs and into your community so that uh, you get from an early age that uh, responsibility to, to help out. Yeah, yeah that, that's interesting too. Um, Excellent. Yeah, I think that makes a good point because I guess part of being a successful club is you putting back into that club. 
So I think Dita, Dita mentioned though that it's, it's also finding just a group of um, enthusiastic enough people that actually want to help um, because if, if you're always trying to force people to help, then it's always a struggle. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's um, finding that right group of people that um, are happy to be there. Um, that's part of their social um, uh, atmosphere. That's that's what they do. And I think, you know, that if, if, if you can find that sort of group of people, then, uh, then you're really on a winner. Um, just touching on, again, just um, we talked a little bit about just the different um, aspects of table tennis. So we talked about, you know, the pathway, but also just having um, a clear area for players that don't want to follow a pathway or become the best in the state or become the best in their club or they purely just want to enjoy the sport, just go down there, um, have a hit, um, um, and, and maybe enjoy the social social side of things. I think that's really crucial as well. Um, you know, we, I think we uh, some clubs miss out on a whole heap of social players um, because they're totally focused on um, the the elite, and perhaps the uh, reverse is true as well. Some clubs miss out on um, the development of their players uh, because they're totally focused on the social social aspect. Not not an easy thing to combine or to do, um, but I think um, it's something that you know we need to be aware of. You know, don't miss out on a whole group of table tennis players um, because you're you're too narrowly focused. Yeah, indeed, that sounds good. Now, Mark, I know there's a whole lot of things you need to do when starting a club, but are there any like top tips that are you know the most important things to do if someone's trying to start a club from scratch? Well, I guess getting that enthusiastic and passionate group of people together is a good start. So um, a club is not one person's vision. Um, it might start off that way as one person's vision, but one person can't do it all. So it's getting a group of people together and uh, where we are, uh, forming a committee. And if you form a committee, there's some elements of planning and sharing the workload. So uh, there's lots of things that you've got to do when you start a club, like find a venue. Um, and recruit members, and, and one person is going to have difficulty doing that. So uh, advertising, finding finding links to uh, other like-minded people, getting on Facebook, advertising what you're going to do. So there's lots of ways you can share your message these days, um, and I'd say sharing your message and uh, uh, getting the word out there that you want to do something. Um, and in Australia or in Victoria, there's... Um, organisations like ours at Southwest Sport that you can go and talk to and we have different contacts that you can come to. State Sporting Association, we're divided into states here so you can talk to your State Sporting Association and there'll be other clubs that have been through exactly the situation that you'll try and go through as well. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. Um, you know, there are, there are other people out there that have been through exactly what you're trying to do. Um, it's finding those people and trying to... Um, uh, Get their get their knowledge so that you're not inventing the wheel again. Um, so the other thing is um, funding or or grants um, as we call them here um, from uh, different organisations. So where 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 can you go with those sort of things? Well, if you've got an organisation like us around, we send out a newsletter every month that tells people about grants. Uh, and their local government's a good place to start with those as well. So lots of local governments here have seed funding mm -hmm. where you can uh, 
get a limited amount of money, but it can help you do the things that you might need to do at the start, like buy a little bit of equipment, yep. uh, rent your premises until you get on your feet, yep. uh, and obviously put some advertising around. But yeah. uh, partnerships is a key. Yep, yep. And and so I suppose the big expenses are, as, as we talked about before, um, then you hire, but then also tables. Um, so you know, just just finding finding some tables that uh, are firstly within budget, but then also tables that are um, appropriate to your venue. So if you have the luxury of um, having the tables up all the time, then you can think about um, putting on putting ta or buying tables that are more um, static, or you know that you don't have to roll in and roll out. Um, but I think in most uh, club situations, uh, the venues uh, are such that you've got to uh, bring the tables in, take them, pack them down. So it's finding um, suitable tables that are easy to pack up. You know that fold up easily, wheel away easily, and store easily as well. So um, because then when you start to um, need those volunteers to set up and pack up, it's not a matter of oh we need you know. Ten strong people to uh, to set the hall up. It's just anyone that comes in can um, open up the tables and, and close them up and put them away. So yeah, so I think you know finding the right tables is also um, important. And there's plenty of options out there now with tables. So um, there are there are lots of good brands. There's not one brand that's great, but there are lots of good brands. But make sure you research the things that you need from a table as well. When you're setting up a club. Um, the other thing, uh, Steve was the guy that started all this discussion off, and he was he was then talking about um, you know how could you also um, make the club um, financial to a to a level where you are thinking about employing someone. So you know that's 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 another that's another whole ball game, isn't it? So so I suppose with that we need to think about. Economies as far as uh, the number of tables that you would need to make that happen and viable as well. That's right. With uh, we've got a couple of clubs that have recently started uh, where I live, and they have enough participation and no no real other costs. But if you contribute a very small amount of money, you can get a part time person to do some of your administration work, but with table tennis, obviously we've got venue hire and we've got the purchase of equipment, mm -hmm. so yep. it might be a little bit longer before you get the, the finances behind you, but now even with five tables, yep. um, and you have uh, two-person teams, you could be uh, have 10 teams, 20 teams uh, yep. involved, yep. and uh, as long as you organise yourself pretty well, I think you could uh, start to become have part-time employment, but if you're looking at full-time employment, that's probably another story. Yeah, so so with part-time or, or uh, yeah, with part-time employment, so I think the, uh, another key is to be able to utilise the venue um, for a greater period of time. So it's not just your your nightly competition or training or social thing. I think it's that daytime aspect as well, isn't it? Um, so. Trying to get school groups in, you know, senior groups in, those sort of things. Um, so for a school group, you know, I think you really need, you know, at least five or six um, tables. Um, most school classes are anywhere between twenty and thirty plus um, kids. So if you're going to 
cater for a class to come in. You really need, you know, five or six tables so that you can then offer it to schools for them to bring down classes as well. So that's a really good point. We had a, an exhibition day down here where uh, our leading player, Meow Meow, came down. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they only allocated us three tables and there yep. were 50 kids in a group. Yeah. So we struggled to show them the benefits of table tennis. So yep. that's part of your planning as well, though, and understanding will the school, how many will the schools send along. Yep. Uh, and you know, putting your tables up in a, a basketball hall means that you can, uh, well, you might even get 12 or more yep. on different occasions. But again, yep. there's more startup costs with uh, buying those 12 tables and then having yep. somewhere to store them. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. So and then finding, yeah, finding the funding to get that to get that up and off the ground. So yeah, it's yeah, all interesting, isn't it, Jeff? Just, um, it certainly is. Yes. Um, so you know, I think the things that I've picked up, like, is yeah, you definitely don't try and do it all yourself. Um, try and get the message out about starting a club, find uh, other people that are interested and from there you've got a core group of people that you can sort of spread the load and then I guess from there, once you've got that core group you need to form a committee and then sort of do all the tasks that are required to set up a club, find the venue, find the tables, do all that kind of stuff but then you've also got to you spread that load to plan out activities for all different types of players that would come to your club and then you can sort of grow from there and if you know things go well maybe you can get a part-time person on board um, so yeah that's what I sort of picked up does that sound like a good plan Mark? Sounds like a very good plan and obviously we've got uh, events like markets that happen all the time uh, and you might be able to take a, a table down to a market and expose table tennis to people that it hasn't been exposed to before. So there's lots of ways you can uh, advertise that you want to start something. So and this forum's a fantastic forum. I see lots of people answering your questions uh, and putting their experience forward and I would encourage people to do that. So when the Ping Skills question of the day comes out or any other comments, yeah, get online and uh, add your thoughts. Uh, and then people can pick and choose the things that actually suit them as well. Excellent. Well, that sounds great. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for coming on. It's been very insightful, and uh, hopefully it's been helpful to everyone out there. And um, and I see Brocky's on there, and he said, just said, Alois and Jeff, can you introduce your new coach? So you obviously missed the start, Brock. You need to get on a bit earlier. Mark Taylor from uh, Warrnambool Table Tennis. And I am a qualified Level 2 coach. Absolutely. So in Australia, level one, level two, level three. So he's getting up there. Indeed. Very good. All right. Well, um, let's uh, move on to the Ping Skills question of the day from yesterday, Alloys. And um, it was, what was the most important thing you learnt at your first tournament? And maybe Mark can uh, answer this one too. Yeah. So for me, um, I think it was just, um, seeing some different players and just seeing that, wow, like um, seeing seeing the older players. So I was quite young and I remember uh, when um, when I played, the there was the under-18 final at the same time and I remember watching those guys play and just thinking, wow, this is just amazing, just, um, just the level of their play. I remember Robbie Javor, who was one of the, um, uh, he was Australian champion um, several times, um, I remember he was uh, playing in the under-18s and he won the under-18s on that day and I still remember that, um, you know, how fantastic he was um, and, um, you know, that was something that um, I could aspire to. Yeah, what about you, Mark? 
tournaments? Well, my first tournament, I'll probably talk about my son who played his first tournament. I guess the, the thing that I learned is that everything's not going to go according to time. <laughs> so there'll be, there'll be times where you'll be playing uh, a number of matches in a row and there'll be times when you're going to have a large break. So you've got to prepare yourself for, uh, for both of those aspects. And I think we had um, a number of uh, times where we didn't uh, take in food at the right time. So you could mm -hmm. see after lunch uh, where he fell off the uh, off the trail because he uh, hadn't had the right food and hadn't had the right drinks. Yep. Okay. It's great. What yeah, yeah, oh, it was a long time ago, Alice. I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I found was just seeing how good players were around you. Like back then, it wasn't so easy just to go online and watch the best players in the world, but to see them physically you know, in the same venue as you and see how good players could be was very inspiring. So, you know, that was the thing that I took out of my first tournament, um, that, you know, there's players around you that are just like you but, you know, are better and you can also get there if you train hard. So that's yep. what I got out of my first tournament. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so I think... Uh you know, if you haven't played a tournament, guys, just get out there and, and give it a give it a try. It's um, it's it's a really interesting experience. You know, you might win some, you might lose some, you might get thumped. Who knows? But just get down there and have a look. Yes, indeed. Alrighty. You're not playing still, Alice, because I see there's a question that says, "Are you better than me?" And uh, I think we all know the answer to that question. Brock has got. Are you better than Mark Alloys? Hmm. Well. That's that will be yet to be determined. We might go out in the uh, shed and uh, have a battle off uh, shortly. Is it high enough to need a lob? <laughs> yes, yes. He's only a lobber. He's just a lobber. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, the pink skillers question for today, Alois, is: Have you started using the plastic balls? So everyone, jump on to pinkskills.com and leave a comment. Let us know if you are using the plastic balls. Yeah, it'd be oh, really right. interesting. It'd be interesting to just uh, see a percentage of, um, you know, who has actually started using them. So yeah, get on there and put in your comments, guys. Great. All right. Um, now Christopher's got an update for us. He says, "Hi, Jeff and Alois. Just an update on the club. We've implemented a few of the suggestions you gave, and numbers have been steadily increasing. We hit our peak a few days ago, about 24 people with four tables." and may need to look at another venue. Thank you. So some of those tips are definitely helping, and hopefully, Christopher, you've got some more ideas, thanks to Mark, out of the show today. Um, all right, um, the next one is from Baswa, who says, when a ball comes not too fast on the left side of the table, I go to the left corner and try to play the forehand topspin stroke. But while doing it, the movement very fast, I lose balance and move away from the table. What should I do to stop this? Yeah, so so when you're when you're moving, so right hander moving across that way, it's really important that when you move that way that you get balanced and stable before you make that next ball. So if you're still moving and trying to play your shot, then there's no chance of recovery. You're going to be flying out that way. And if they block the ball back, um, you're going to be in all sorts of trouble. So the crucial thing is to to move, stop, and then make your hit. And that way, then you'll be balanced to be able to move back again. And we've got a we've got a lesson on um, on the move, stop, hit. So we might put a link um, 
uh, in about that one, Jeff. Okay, yeah, I'll put a link in. And so, can you practice? How do you practice that? Do you need to actually be playing some shots, or can you even practice it without a ball? Um, you can certainly practice it without a ball to start off with. Um, but uh, there's a simple um, footwork drill that you can do. It's called the Falkenberg drill, and um, and that's in our um, training drills, um, where you do a backhand from the backhand corner, then you turn around and play a forehand from the backhand corner, and then you move across and play a forehand from your wide forehand side. So um, so the Falkenberg is a great drill to practice that movement around and pivoting around on your backhand side to play the forehand, get your stability, and then be able to move back again um, over to your, back, to your forehand side. Great. All right. Uh, this question here, they actually, Brock said, who is the better between all three of you? So clearly that's uh, me. Uh, well, between, me, between me and Jeff, it's definitely me. So it's just yeah. a matter of... Uh, Mark and I going out to battle for the for the top spot. I just need to get a bit of an injury. So. <laughs> He's making excuses already. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lucas has jumped onto the Google Q&A app and asked a question live on the show, which you can all do by going to our Google Plus page. He says, a couple of days ago, I started using a fast topspin against a very side spin serve. It worked pretty well for me. Is this an effective way to return the serve? Or is there a better way, like a short push, a chop, or something else? Yeah, no, Lucas, I think the the topspin is the best way. So if the ball's long, so if the ball's only bouncing once on the table, then topspin is usually the best way to, to attack it. Now, even if the ball's got side spin or backspin or topspin, doesn't really matter. As long as you're brushing that ball well on the contact, then you're going to start to overcome a lot of that spin. So if the ball's got side spin, it's going to curve a little bit. As long as you brush the ball heavily, it'll go in the direction that you want to. So um, top spin is definitely the go, Lucas. Yeah. Um, if you if you're missing, doesn't matter. You know, just just keep going, keep trying to top spin that ball, um, keep getting a nice um, a sharp action on the ball, and you'll start to uh, be able to get that ball back really well. And you'll get into an attacking position in the rally as well. Yeah, so definitely on the right track there, Lucas. Keep going with that and, um, yeah, keep top spinning those long balls. All right. Our next question is from Edgar who says, I want a premium membership for one month only, but apparently you charge my PayPal account every month. How do I get one month only to try it out? So I might uh, hand over to you for that one, Jeffrey. You're the... You're the expert at that. Sure. So, um, yeah, so when you sign up, it is a recurring subscription, but you can cancel your membership at any time. So you can sign up and then cancel your membership, and you can do that easily through the PayPal site or send us an email and we'll cancel it for you, and then you will have access for the first month and won't be charged again. So it's a pretty straightforward process. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, yeah, so... And I... Yeah, you know, there's, there's, we've got a lot of free members, um, but I think it's worth just getting on there and, and even just trialling it out for a month, um, because even if you sign up for a month, you can actually see all the videos uh, for that month. So yeah, probably worth it. Probably worth a go. Yeah, that's right. So you can see all the videos. Um, depending on if you just get a monthly membership, you can download ten to keep forever. And if you go quarterly, you get 50 per month. And if you go to yearly, you get unlimited downloads uh, 
to your computer to keep forever. So thanks for the question, Edgar. Definitely give it a go and, um, yeah, try it out for a month and hopefully you'll like it. I'm sure they will, Jeff. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. That wraps up episode 85 of the Ask the Coach show. Make sure you do check out pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter. A uh, big thank you to uh, Mark Taylor for coming on and helping us out this morning. So thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I get up at 6.30 every morning to watch you guys. Good, and, just uh, as well. <laughs> I, I put my questions in. I'm glad. Oh, I'm maybe, maybe, maybe we found the real Brock. Mm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, uh, Brock, uh, yep, we just need to keep updated. We're hoping soon that you're going to beat this tall guy, though he does sound like he is quite a good player, so it may take some time. All righty. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Alice and Mark. Have a great weekend, and hopefully it's full of table tennis. Thanks, Jeff. Yep, get out there. Weekend, lots of table tennis this weekend, guys. Thanks, Alice. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Bye. Bye.